Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. You are listening to To Walk and Not Faint by Rev. Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading tonight is Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40 verses 27 through 31. Uh, if you want to follow along, you may turn there, and I'll read it in a moment, but first I, I want to talk a little bit about the context and, and what I've been trying to do in my sermon tonight. The passage I'm about to read is one of the most familiar passages in all of Scripture, and certainly one of the most familiar passages in Isaiah. Uh, it's read at graduations, it's read at profession of faiths, it's read in church all the time. It's kind of a uh, text that shows up on inspirational posters and notes of encouragement. And that's perfectly appropriate because these are words of encouragement. These, these words, as you will hear, are promises of help to those in need, those who need encouragement. And I've always seen these words in one specific way, but uh, recently I read a book by someone named John Claypool called Tracks of a Fellow Struggler, and that gave me a whole new frame on these very familiar words. Tracks of a Fellow Struggler is a book that Claypool wrote a little while ago already, but he wrote it in response to his seven-year-old daughter's struggle with cancer. Laura Lou was this beautiful, radiant child, really talented. She played the violin, she danced, she was just gave joy to everyone who she met. But one day, when she was seven years old, she suddenly had this severe pain and her ankles swell up, and they took her to the doctor, and the doctor gave them the bad news, acute leukemia. The doctors prescribed a heavy dose of chemo, and Laura Lou responded really, really well to the chemo. Almost immediately, the cancer receded and went into remission, and she was able to go back to school, she was able to run and to play her violin and to dance again. And this went on for nine months, and the Claypools thought, well, this is it, I think, I think we beat this, I think everything's gonna be okay. But then in March, in the middle of the night, Laura Lou woke up with a severe pain in her back, and they found the cancer had returned. And this time, the chemo didn't go so smoothly. This time it was a battle. Days of good news, days of bad news, days of good news, days of bad news, days of bad news, days of bad news. And nine months after this return of the cancer, Laura Lou died two weeks after Christmas. Tracks of a Fellow Struggler consists of the writings and the sermons, he was a preacher, that he preached and that he wrote between the time that Laura Lou was diagnosed and the time that she died. There's a sermon that he wrote when he, she first got cancer, when she, they first got that news. There's a sermon that he wrote in the middle when the cancer returned. And then there's a searing and amazing sermon that he wrote at the end after she had died and he returned to the pulpit. And then all kinds of other kinds of reflections around those three sermons. His sermon on Isaiah 40 is in the middle. It's a sermon he wrote when the cancer returned and they were in the middle of that long struggle. And that's a very appropriate kind of text, Isaiah 40 is a very appropriate text for that long struggle because the people to whom Isaiah 40 was originally written were, 
as I think many of you know, in the middle of a long struggle. They were in exile. And they've been in exile a long time, and they wonder, had the Lord forgotten us? Is anything going to turn out here? Where is God in all of this? And Isaiah 40 is the response to Israel's perplexity and also to the perplexity of John Claypool. Let's listen to it. Here's what the Lord says. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths go tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord. So I wonder how many of you know the chief distinguishing feature of Hebrew poetry. As someone who went to seminary, I think, oh, everybody knows that. But other times I think, you know what? I'm not so sure everybody does know that. Do you know the chief distinguishing feature of Hebrew poetry? Once you know it, it's, it's, it's as clear as day. It's everywhere in Hebrew poetry. The chief distinguishing feature of poetry, oh, and this is a poem, right? Isaiah is, is speaking poetic language here. He prophesies in poetry here. The chief distinguishing feature of Hebrew poetry is parallelism. Parallelism. So the Hebrew poets, they will say one thing, and they will repeat it. They will say it again in a slightly different way. And they'll say another thing, and then they'll say it again in a slightly different way. You see it right in our passage. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Same thing in a different way. Verse 29. He gives strength to the weary... He increases the power of the weak, right? Parallelism, saying the same thing in a different way. Verse 30, even youths grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall, okay? It's that parallelism, and if you go through the Psalms, you'll see it. It's everywhere. Most of the time, or a lot of the time, when the Hebrew poets do that, when they say two parallel lines, it's just a a kind of repetition, So the second line just says the same thing in a different way, and it doesn't really add anything to the idea. But sometimes the parallelism builds one line upon the other. So the first line says one thing, and then the second line says something else that makes it deeper. It adds something. It adds nuance, and it adds depth. And that's what we see at the end of the passage I just read from Isaiah 40. If you look at the poetic structure, and I'm sorry that I'm geeking out on the poetry here, but if you look at the poetic structure, it goes in couplets almost all the way through until the very end, okay? So you got, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is an everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth. You get couplets, 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 but then at the very end, in verse 31, what do you get? A triplet. You get three lines in parallel instead of two. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Now, why does a poet do that? A couple reasons. First, just formatically, it gives the sense of an ending. It's kind of like 
a retardando in a piece of music. You can almost hear the rhythm. Da 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 Right? That just sort of gives a sense of an ending. So that's one function of it. But the other function is depth of meaning. This is one of those parallels where each of the three lines adds something, deepens the nuance of what the prophet is trying to say. And specifically in this case, it tells us the different ways in which the Lord comes to help his people. This is a passage which promises hope and help. Each of these three lines talks about different ways, different forms of the Lord's help in our life. And following John Claypool, I got this from him, I would like to go through each of these three lines and show how they illustrate a different way that God helps us. So let's start with the first line. Those who hope in the Lord will soar on wings like eagles. Sometimes God helps us by lifting us up to a mountaintop experience above our problems, above our fears, so that we can see the certainty of his face. In John Claypool's words, we soar away in an atmosphere of sheer exuberance. We rise up on eagle's wings above the forest of our fears, and we can see all the way to the New Jerusalem, and we can see Jesus, and we know his promises. These moments where we're helped like that, where we're lifted up to soar up on wings like eagles, they do not happen often. They happen infrequently in human lives, maybe once or twice, Sometimes maybe not at all, but if they happen to you, if you have one of those moments where you soar, they can become an anchor point of your life. They can hold your whole life together, a point that you keep coming back to over and over again. Some of you may have heard the story of Blaise Pascal. I think it's a story that's been told from this pulpit before. Blaise Pascal is one of the greatest mathematicians in history, Christian guy, lived in the 1600s. And he was also a devout Christian. And when he was 31 years old, he had this sort of soaring like an eagle experience of God's faithfulness in his life. This moment where he had this deep assurance of God's salvation for himself. And it was so profound that right after it happened, it went on for two hours, this vision. It was so profound that he wrote it down. And this is some of what he wrote. The year of grace, 1654, Monday, November 23, the feast of St. Clement. From about half past 10 at night till about half past midnight, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not God of the philosophers and of the learned. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, my God, your God, joy, 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 tears of joy, complete submission to Jesus Christ. He had this sublime experience, and he wrote it down, and it meant so much to him that he took it and sewed it into the lining of his favorite coat so that it could be near his heart wherever he went. And the only reason we have that piece of paper is because when he died, they found it there in his coat. That experience, that mountaintop experience where he soared like an eagle, where the Lord lifted him up, became a reference point for his entire life that allowed him to hold steady in all the seasons of trouble. These soaring mountaintop experiences are beautiful. The profound, may the Lord bless you with one, 
but they are not the chief way that the Lord helps us in our life. And they are certainly not the chief mode with which we move through life. Which brings us to the second line. The second clause promises that the Lord will help us so that we will run and not grow weary. This is a promise for the busy seasons of our life, or as Claypool says, this is God giving us strength for activism. Our faith isn't soaring experiences only. Our faith is, and frankly, this is most of our faith in the middle of our life. Our faith is hard work, hard, joyful service to our Lord, loving, caring, building, working in the kingdom, doing the things that God gives us to do day after day after day, running our race for him. These moments, this, this way of living, may not be as exciting as soaring like an eagle, but they have their own kind of satisfaction and their own kind of joy. For example, I'm thinking personally here, when I think that of the help that the Lord gives us in this kind of work, I think of what it's like to put together services here week after week after week. There is so much work that goes into a Sunday morning service at LaGrave. When you stop to think about it, it is unbelievable. You have the choir every week, Merle choosing anthems, these people driving in from hither and yon and being drilled on a Wednesday night so that they can sing on Sunday. You have Larry back there somewhere choosing his prelude and postlude and offertory music and doing his modulation, which you heard this morning is harder than you think. You have teachers who show up every week who prepare their lessons and teach them. They have to have curriculum. You've got nursery attendants. You've got people at the Welcome Center. You've got greeters. You've got deacons. You've got ushers. You've got people manning the sound booth, people manning the video booths. You've got people doing the cross and Bible every week, and I haven't even begun to talk about the sermon, the children's sermon, and all the work of the liturgist. A tremendous amount of work. And when you're putting this together as a church, you start on Monday, you hit the ground, and you're running Monday morning. And sometimes in the middle of the week, you think, oh my goodness, this is not going to come together. This is going to be a disaster. Everything in the service is going to be blooper reel material. But then, I think, I hope you know, it happens. Week after week, there's this holy miracle that Sunday morning happens. And you go home on a Sunday night and you sit down and you just feel this amazing sense of relief and joy. And it's not relief and joy in what you did. It's this deep sense of, wow, the Lord was in this. The Lord did this. How did the Lord make this happen? Week after week after week. You shall run and not be weary. This is not just a word for worship planners. This is a word for every single one of you who do your work in the fields of the Lord, caring for your family, working at your jobs, doing whatever it is you do. You work your head off, and then at the end of the day, hopefully you can turn around and say, it's a miracle. The Lord was in all of this. You shall run and not be weary. Which brings us to the very last of these three. You shall walk and not faint. This is the line 
that drew John Claypool to this text. This is the line that made him want to preach on this text when his daughter's cancer returned. He wanted to give testimony to this kind of help. Here's what he wrote in his sermon. Now I am sure that those of you looking for the spectacular soaring, this kind of help to you may seem insignificant indeed. Who wants to be slowed to a walk, to creep along inch by inch, barely above the threshold of consciousness and not fainting? That may not sound like much of a religious experience, but believe me, in the kind of darkness where I have been with my daughter, it is the only form of the promise that fits the situation. No one wants to be in the kind of situation where you creep along inch by inch, just trying not to faint. But all of us end up in that situation. The caregiver, standing beside her failing husband who's beginning to struggle with dementia, trying to hold his life together, trying to remember for him, trying to give him a sense of himself. She's just trying to walk and not faint. The person struggling with depression, riding the ups and downs of that terrible disease week by week, day by day, that person is just trying to walk and not faint. The person dealing with chronic pain, waking up in the morning and dealing with pain every day and knowing that pain will always be there and in fact, it will be getting a little worse tomorrow. That person is just trying to walk and not faint. The single mom, the refugee, just trying to walk and not faint. To these people, soaring like eagles sounds great, but realistically, they help. the help that they need is the help just to walk day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. When Laura Lou's cancer came back, the fight was long and hard. Repeated trips to the hospital, different chemos tried, different treatments. On lots of afternoons and lots of evenings, Claypool talks about how he sat beside his daughter's bed and he held her hand and rubbed her back while she cried out in pain sometimes for hours. You don't run through that kind of situation. And yet, in the middle of that place, this is what Claypool testifies to the help God gave. Here I am this morning, he said in front of his congregation, sad, brokenhearted, still bearing in my body the wounds of darkness. I confess to you honestly, I have no wings with which to fly, nor even legs with which to run. But listen, by the grace of God, I am still on my feet. I have not fainted yet. I'm hanging in there, enduring with patience what I cannot change, but have to bear. You shall walk and not be faint. We all want to soar like eagles. This week I googled Isaiah 40 verse 31 on a Google image search. If you don't know what that is, and I, I feel that many of you probably do not know what that is. It's a place where if you put it in and you choose image, it shows all the images associated with that thing. When you, when you Google uh, Isaiah 40 verse 31 on an image search, guess what comes up? Pictures of eagles over and over and over again all of them soaring, and most of them bald. 
And that's not surprising, right? That's what we want. When you think of this text, that's the part we want to think about. We want to think about soaring like eagles. I didn't see a single picture of a person walking, just trying to hold on and not faint. But after reading Claypool, it will be that image that I think about when I read this text. There's one more interesting observation I want to make about this text and these three lines. They come in a surprising order. If you were the poet, wouldn't you make them go in the opposite order in which they come? Wouldn't you want to make them end high and on a glorious note? They shall walk and not faint. They shall run and not be weary. They shall soar upon wings like eagles. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you put it that way so you can have a nice big ending? Like a, like a choir anthem? But this poet says, soar on wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. It descends. Why? Could it be that that is the way he structures it because that is the shape of human strength? The poet starts verse 30 by talking about young men, right? It's young men who soar on wings like eagles. And then in midlife, we're running, we try not to grow weary. And then at the end of life, we're walking and just trying not to faint. And if that's the reason for the descending order, then there's one more descent that we should mention. One step is missing. Because the day will come when we will faint. When we will not be able to walk and our bodies will fail us and we will be laid in the dust. And what about then? Well, there'll be help for those who hope in the Lord on that day? Absolutely. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead shall be raised, imperishable. Jesus doesn't just soar with us, run with us, walk with us. He goes down into the dust with us, and he's raised, and we are raised in him. So those who hope in the Lord will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. They will be laid in the dust, but in Christ they shall arise. Thanks be to God. Lord God, um, we need you. Every hour we need you. Every season of life, we need you. We thank you, Father, that in Jesus Christ, we see that you are there for every season of our life, for the soaring, for the limping, and for the time we're laid in the dust. Lord, as we walk out of this place today, help us walk in that confidence, joyfully and hopefully, wherever our path should send us. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.